Some companies still know how business casual is done. It's strictly business. Hello, 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 everyone. It is a beautiful Friday morning. It was raining hard and winding hard in Dallas yesterday. And now it is a refreshed Friday, which means we're bringing you a refreshed business casual. Folks, this is Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Welcome to another morning episode of Business Casual, your B2B morning radio show. I'm joined by the usual specs co-host Tyler Kern. Tyler, how you doing this morning? Yo, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. The uh, the rain last night made me uh, very sleepy, so I feel like I slept really well. Yeah. You know that? Yeah, the- I mean, oh, oh 100%. It's yeah. like uh it's like soothing white noise basically. 100%. Yeah, I was yeah. I was sitting there and we were we were wrapping up an episode of Great British Baking Show before we uh oh, went yeah. to bed, you know, and there's something about that show that I so first of all I love the show, but uh there's something about that show that makes me sleepy kind of just to begin with. It's all just like the nice British accents and kind of the the calming music and that sort of thing and they're baking. I'm like, "Oh, this just seems lovely." And then it's raining outside and I was like, "I'm just so cozy. I want to sleep." For real. Yeah. Well, luckily, it is Friday, which means that cozy feeling might be uh, might be achieved sooner than later. Exactly. Exactly. May that may that come to pass soon. Yes. May the cos be with you. <laughs> yes. We're also joined on the line by host of Secure the Bag, a business casual segment, Mr. Taylor Bagley. Taylor, how you doing? Doing well, guys. Good morning. How's uh How's your world going so far? Um, also enjoying the uh, cozy weather here. Um, you know, last night definitely stormed a lot over here in my neck of the woods. So, um, yeah, you know, it's a, a good Friday to have a you know nice, relaxing little uh, cozy day here. Hundred percent. Well, I uh, I wanted to ask y'all what some of the weirdest things that have happened to you so far in this quarantine are before we jump into our main content. But I mean, I guess we can just talk about rain instead. I don't know. Do any of y'all have, you know, it's just such an unprecedented time. I feel like, you know, we've been talking a lot about, Oh, what, what kind of movies have you been watching and how have you been keeping busy? But I mean, obviously the, the times are crazy, so there is bound to be some craziness that happens. So I was just wondering if there's been anything that's happened to y'all so far uh, or just ways that you've had to adjust that have been just classic comedic material. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything quite like that, but one of the things I've noticed is that, you know, I've tried to go out as little as possible but when I have had to drive somewhere to, to do something. It's almost like it's almost like the percentage of people who are willing to be on the roads and, you know, feel like they should be out and doing things. Uh, there's a larger percentage of people that are just absolutely driving insane. I don't know if anybody else has (laughs) noticed this, but when I've had to actually get out, I've just been like shocked by, and maybe it's just the fact that there are fewer people on the road. So the people that have always wanted to drive this way have a little bit more freedom to, but oh my gosh, I feel like there's a larger percentage of drivers on the road who are just out of their mind crazy when it comes to how they're driving. And I'm not like a passive drive i feel like i drive like somewhat aggressively but i've just been absolutely shocked by the number of people that just go like flying by you on a residential street and you're like oh my gosh like this is shocking and actually some of the numbers bear that out that like uh like uh fatal traffic accidents and and other crashes and that sort of thing have occurred at roughly the same level 
even with like far fewer drivers on the road. So that's that's that's, that's been something I've noticed that I feel like is anecdotal and then backed up by some kind of form of statistics that just uh, the roads have been kind of crazy when I've gotten out. Now that's what I call a substantiated <laughs> argument. You know, <laughs> trying to trying to just bring the facts here on BizCash. Hell yeah. Bring in See, the facts. It's interesting. I have kind of the exact opposite. So I live downtown here and I'm used to being, you know, kind of surrounded by a plethora of characters and, you know, people who are, uh, um, let's just say pretty interesting. And, uh, since the, uh, the whole lock in, um, I've, I've seen very few people at all. So I, I feel like I'm now on the opposite side of the twilight zone here. <laughs> and, Dude, uh, I'm, I'm now in the normal world. Downtown has been just a ghost town. It's, it's yeah. been so strange. It's very weird. So, yeah. uh, it's, it, it makes it nice, you know, cause I, I, I try to get out a little bit, you know, here and there if I need to get some shopping done or things, you know, uh, uh out and about it. Um, yeah, it's just a kind of an area that most people avoid now so nuts well i don't have much to share story wise it's been pretty uneventful around here so we'll just uh we'll end with tyler's really substantiated argument there really love the facts you brought to the show good sir you know just trying to do my part as uh, as co-host exactly <laughs> all right let's go ahead and jump into our content for the day uh, our first story is media focused and uh covers an industry we don't talk a lot about on this show probably because to a degree we're in this industry so it doesn't feel uh like front of mind to talk about it because we do it every day but we're going to be chatting about the media industry and uh some of the business dynamics that are catching a um I guess a more critical eye. So the Sinclair Broadcast Group, this is the second largest television station operator. They're going to be forking over $48 million for an FCC fine. Wow. Which is wrapping up the commission's probe uh, into the company's now abandoned deal to buy Tribune Media, another media conglomerate. Uh, so they can Sinclair Broadcast Group can no longer hope to rival Fox Corp as uh, a conservative-leaning media conglomerate. They were looking to try to break into that market a little more substantially. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're the second largest um, television station operator, so it's not like they're small peanuts or anything, but they wanted to... Uh, really be market dominant and that dream has now dissipated to a degree um this is sinclair's largest civil penalty ever so twice the prior record for a broadcaster so this is a really big fine coming towards um a television station operator uh and this is an industry that often doesn't have a ton of cash flow on hand uh that might be different when you're dealing with something as large as Sinclair. Uh, they might have you know, more reserves to be able to fork over $48 million. Um, but I know individual stations are always struggling for advertising dollars. So uh, something that substantial is bound to have an impact. The initial probe began in June of 2019. Uh, and this was when the FCC claimed that the Sinclair Broadcast Group was misrepresenting or lacking in candor during negotiations uh, for their Tribune Media deal, which was going to be about $3.9 billion, with a B, dollars. Um, 
More pointedly, the FCC claimed that Sinclair was trying to deceive regulators during the potential deal. Uh, the company apparently didn't disclose facts about the merger, such as attempting to sell one of their more profitable Chicago stations, WGN-TV, for $60 million, which sounds like, you know, a good chunk of money, but apparently was very under market value, and they were trying to sell it to a businessman with business ties to a Sinclair executive. So it felt very under the table, uh, very, uh, you know, we're just going to pass this off to you at a discount, which, uh, because of their size, uh, was catching a critical eye from the FCC. So the uh, Tribune Media decided to terminate the sale of 42 of their TV stations and 33 different television markets to Sinclair. Uh, Tribune was acquired by a different group called Nexstar for about $4.1 billion. This was in uh, September of 2019. Uh, and this is from a, a HuffPost article. I'm just going to read this whole chunk straight up. Quote, in 2017, the FCC said it was fining Sinclair $13.38 million after it failed to properly disclose that paid programming that aired on local TV stations was sponsored by a cancer institute. That probe was also resolved as part of the settlement, end quote. Uh, so this is just kind of a little highlight of some of the problematic business practices going on right now in um, in the media world and especially among legacy television uh, conglomerates. Uh, Tyler, I know you haven't been in TV, but you've been closer to this industry than probably uh, Taylor and I. Uh, for context, hmm. uh, when I went to the University of Missouri, we had a uh, an NBC affiliate there that we did actual reporting for. So we got to work for an NBC station and had to, you know, interact with actual people working professionally in media so the advertising arm the business arm the legal arm right. of our station uh, however as students we didn't have much of a privilege to like the actual back end uh business decisions made we were mostly cogs in the wheel at that point so i didn't have a lot of exposure to this kind of back end business practice of the um, media world. I know you have had more of that. So could mm. you give a little context on what that experience looks like for you? And then I just want to get your thoughts on this. I think the thing that, that stands out to me is that, you know, I spent about five years, five, six years in radio. And the, the thing that really stood out was a lot of people talking about what radio was like when it was a lot of mom and pop type uh, stations. You know, you had um, maybe five or six local, you know, kind of regional stations under a mom and pop type umbrella. Um, and gradually kind of throughout the, the late nineties, early two thousands, those were all bought up by the big, uh, kind of radio media conglomerates like Cumulus, uh, which is who I worked for. Um, uh, what's, what am I, I'm, I'm missing the big one, um, that has the app and all of that kind of stuff. Oh goodness. Why can't I think of the clear channel? Um, which goes under a different name now, but Clear Channel, massive, uh, and then CBS Radio. So they bought up all of these uh, mom and pop kind of um, uh, radio stations around the country and then brought them under one umbrella and then tried to reduce costs as much as possible, which is what I'm guessing Sinclair was going to try to do is buy up Tribune, get all of their you know kind of stations around the country and that sort of thing, and then reduce operating costs, which has proven to not really work in radio. Both Clear Channel and Cumulus <laughs> like filed bankruptcy and were just like massively misrun and mismanaged um, because as it turns out, uh, people really care about their, their local 
um, or at least at that time, they cared a lot about their local radio stations and taking away some of that local flavor actually had a really negative effect. And it turns out you can't run media organizations maybe as cheaply as, as you would think. And so that caused a lot of problems in radio. And we've seen the same thing in print, actually, with uh, Sports Illustrated kind of being the most notable uh, example recently of being purchased by, a, an, again, another large media company called Maven. Um, and they laid off a bunch of people, uh, cut back a bunch of staff. And again, the goal is just to kind of make a quick buck for these uh, these conglomerates by trying to reduce operating costs and keep profits at the same level and then sell pretty quickly. And so the, that's kind of the, the goal here. And what I've seen is that it just first of all, it doesn't work. Um, you put a lot of people out of jobs and really it's eroding, um, you know, a lot of pretty traditional media brands that, that people around the country have come to know and love. Like if I say sport, uh, sports illustrated, even people who aren't sports fans know of sports illustrated, the magazine and right. Some of the pop culture, it's value it's brought over the years. Uh, there's some iconic covers of, you know, Michael Jordan and tiger woods and, and that sort of thing. It's always been a big deal to be on the cover of sports illustrated. Um, but now that's, that's really lost a lot of its luster and you wonder, okay, can with the way things are going, can media outlets, can media organizations withstand kind of this, this current business environment? And it looks like a lot of organizations are going to have to pivot to different methods of picking up revenue, you know, so there's the athletic model that's more for, you know, print media, I guess, online kind of written media and journalism and that sort of thing. And then a lot more over the top type programming, like what ESPN is doing with their Michael Jordan documentaries and that sort of thing. So I think that the the business model for a lot of these, um, these media outlets is going to have to change pretty drastically if they're going to want to withstand this type of environment and what's going on in media these days. And so I'll be very interested to see moving forward just what that looks like for a lot of different outlets. Um, you know, what this means for Sinclair, who obviously had their eye on this this pretty big purchase and, um, you know, how they pivot from here now with this massive, massive fine that they've incurred. Um, right. So it, it's an interesting time in media. Um, I, I'm not Again, I, I'm not, I suppose, informed enough to say whether or not um, it's a good thing for these uh, these Tribune stations that they weren't acquired by Sinclair. Um, but my experience has been that 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 model of the big company buying up a lot of smaller subsidiaries around the country has proven to not work out terribly well for those stations and those places. And um, and so that's just my experience that I think it's probably a good thing for them. But uh, but I, I guess we'll we'll wait and see. Yeah. Well, I, I I would agree with everything you said, even though I don't necessarily have as much firsthand experience, um, you know, compared to yours. I I just do agree that it seems like um, the business interests motivating a lot of these massive media moves seem to really value short-term profit and market dominance over quality journalism or quality content, and that seems to be taken for granted. Um, Another great example is the absolute demise of Deadspin, Um, and once Deadspin was sold off um, to... uh, I th- I was either a PE firm or a venture capitalist. I don't remember his name. Right. right. Um, but basically has been running Deadspin into the ground by firing uh, its most creative writers. Um, almost uh, 
automating the content to be incredibly robotic and lifeless so that it could uh, have either more control over the, the tone of the content uh, or um, just to reshape the vision for what Deadspin is supposed to be. Or there wasn't really even a lot of thought about what should the vision of Deadspin be. It was more, ah, Deadspin seems popular. Let's buy it. Let's make it you know, quote unquote, profitable and a good business decision. And often that seems to be, like you said, let's cut costs. Let's make this as profitable as possible. Let's pad our bottom line. Mm -hmm. And uh, that just doesn't seem to work well for small journalism operations because they're already strapped on cash. There's already market forces that put pressure on content creation, which, you know, a, a whole ad revenue uh business model already creates a lot of conflicts of interest naturally within the industry which probably aren't great for the long-term future of the industry so now tack that onto uh large executives making business decisions that uh put a stranglehold on these companies and their natural growth for profitable growth or you know without finding ways to link the two um always seems to have a negative repercussion that ends up letting go of really talented dedicated journalists in favor of in favor of what always seems to be a worse reality in my opinion maybe that's too pointed but no um, yeah I, i i just think this reflects a business mentality that is um I guess just kind of toxic within the media environment. And this might not even be super unique to media industry. This is probably just, I mean, this is just, you know, the, the logic of big business, uh, mm-hmm. logic of capital, but it's not necessarily, uh, or, you know, maybe it's just that the impact we can feel it almost more immediately when you're dealing with an industry that is this tight on cash flow often mm-hmm. and always is teetering on, are we going to evolve and and survive or if we stick with our business model just one extra month we're going to collapse and implode as an entire industry is kind of what it yeah. feels like to work in traditional media you know when i when i first started as a full-time uh radio producer um and, and uh, seriously one of my first days uh everybody that i worked with on, on a morning show here in dallas said you know it's it's a shame you're just now doing this because 20 years ago, it was so much better. 15 years ago, it was so much better. And you'll never get to experience what we experienced then. And then I have some great friends that are journalists, you know, who get asked on, you know, Twitter all the time and that sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, how do I, you know, how, how do I become a successful journalist? Like how, how do I become a successful writer and that sort of thing? And most of the time, their first instinct is to say like, seriously don't do this like you know unless you really really love this don't do it because it's not an easy life it's not um you know the business of it is not uh something that is super profitable these days and and things like that and so it really is just kind of a harsh environment out there for this type of industry which is incredibly disappointing because I, i do think that you need the small you need the independent of you know uh the more uh nimble type media organizations because sometimes stories and things that get out into the greater public that that need you know stories that need to be told are oftentimes told by the the smallest type media organizations who you know something links to they raise awareness about something and and you see the impact of it and so losing that i think you lose a large amount of you know the fabric that 
um, you know, that the, the, the media of this country is, is built on. And instead, you have the larger and larger conglomerates and uh, corporations running news media, which I don't think is necessarily in the best interest. And, you know, there are stats that show that uh, that local uh, communities that no longer have a daily newspaper um, are much more susceptible to the negative impacts of, uh, you know, of a, a quick like spread of a sickness, you know, of a virus, uh, mm-hmm. which is certainly applicable these days. Um, that there is so much value uh, for communities in having a daily newspaper and having a daily news outlet that speaks directly to the impact that's going on in that community, but it's just no longer financially viable. And so there's, um, that's kind of a, a scary future, I think, to look into for, for media. Agreed. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. I think that wraps it up well there, Mr. Tyler. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries.